0: This is Terrio Media.
1: I think the downside with land that I've experienced, like it may be a lot easier to find deals. Like that's almost never been a challenge for me. But getting them sold is where most people kind of hit a bottleneck. Hello, I'm Matt Terrio of Epic Real Estate Investing.
0: And this is Thought Leader Thursday. So today I'm joined by a real estate investing entrepreneur who I've followed from a distance for quite a while. And from what I've noticed, based on the detail that he's put into his website, the detail that he puts into his work, I can tell that, you know, he really loves and cares about his real estate investing and his business pursuits and that he just seems like one of the good guys. So I invited him on the show today so that I could get to know him better. And so you could too. So please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Seth Williams. Seth, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing.
1: Hey, Matt. Thanks a lot for having me, man. I appreciate it. I've been a long-term fan and it's an honor to talk to you.
0: Yeah. It looks like, uh, I'm becoming a fan of yours. So we're exchanging this mutual respect and it's a pleasure to meet you finally. Um, you know, before we get into what you're up to today in your real estate investing, what were you doing just prior to getting involved in real estate?
1: Yeah, well, I, uh, from what I've heard of your story, mine is kind of similar. I, when I was in uh, college, I read the book "Rich Dad, Poor Dad" as a lot of real estate investors did, and it mm-hmm. it just kind of you know got me interested in the whole real estate thing. But it doesn't get too specific about what to do exactly, so right. you know I just sort of was aimlessly looking around for a long time trying to find uh, real estate deals, and I was mm-hmm. having a really hard time. I could never find anything that cash flowed. Um, All the while, I was working a day job. I worked in the the commercial banking industry. I was basically like a glorified credit analyst. And I I looked at at deals and I got to crunch the numbers. So I was able to get familiar with, you know, how to analyze cash flow and how to look at what makes a good deal and a bad deal. And um, yeah, so it was really just uh, several years of working that job and a few years of struggling to find deals before I kind of figured out what niche to go after. Mm Mm-hmm. So what was it that had you even looking at real estate in the, in the first place? It was really the idea of uh, generating, you know, multiple streams of passive income, that that whole concept. Uh, mm-hmm. that you know, I've heard you talk about it. Heard a lot of people talk about that. as kind of like a, a rich dad, poor dad philosophy in a way. Uh, just diverse income that came in, whether or not I was working. And, uh, you know, I knew that real estate could be a huge part of that for me. Uh, for me, it was just the struggle of like, how do you find those opportunities? Cause I mean, I knew people were doing it and they were succeeding in it, but I was just hitting wall after wall when I was trying to figure that out. so.
0: Got it. So uh, yeah, like so many of us, we, we all started with that same book and it yeah. somewhat rendered us certifiably unemployable. And, uh, <laughs> but you're right. It, it left a lot to, to be desired with regards to the details and the steps of what do you do next? Like, this is a great concept I'm all in, but now how? Mm -hmm. So where did that actual breakthrough come for you and where are you like, okay, boom, I got it figured out. I can do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, the big light bulb moment, uh, was around the 2008 timeframe when I, you know, after trying to look at house flipping and rental properties and taking out huge loans and going into debt and a lot of things that just like the numbers just never worked for me. I discovered Mm -hmm. the, uh, the idea of land investing. And uh, I learned about it from a home study course at the time. And it was it was an amazing opportunity. Like it just, it. Uh, I think the key, the reason why it worked better than anything I'd ever tried before, is kind of twofold. Uh, you know, the first part, just being land. It was a very simple type of property. There wasn't a lot that could go wrong with it. Um, for a lot of reasons, I was able to get comfortable not having to deal with tenants and things like that. But I think for me, the more important part was my ability to find and get deals for cheap, like a very, very, very cheap, mm-hmm. um, like a few hundred dollars cheap, like mm-hmm. so cheap that loans were not part of the picture. I could use what little money I had in my bank account and buy and own something free and clear. And right. like, that was a game changer for me, knowing exactly where and how to find really an unlimited number of those kinds of deals. Um, what is a
0: what does a few hundred dollar deal look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, those were the kind of deals that I started off with in the beginning, mainly because I didn't have a lot of money and I was kind of scared. I didn't know what I was doing exactly. I was still learning the ropes. Um, but yeah, my my first deal that I ever bought was a half acre property, and I paid three hundred and thirty one dollars for it. And holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where where was <laughs> that? Timbuktu. <laughs> um, I guess it depends on how you define Timbuktu, but it, it was <laughs> definitely rural. But it was Something about close. it was about an hour away from uh, from the city where I lived in Grand Rapids. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't wasn't like terribly far away, but definitely not anywhere near a big city. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was essentially just a, a half acre residential buildable lot, and the the person that sold it to me, they had bought it like twenty years earlier, and they lived in in Long Beach, California, I remember. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of thing where they, they just hadn't seen it in forever. And all they knew is that they were paying this tax bill every year and it was getting really annoying and they wanted to be done with it. And uh, at the time they had had delinquent taxes and their option was they could just ignore the problem and lose the prob- the property and lose everything. Or, you know, they could try to sell it, which is For the average person who's not like in the land business, it can be kind of hard to know where and how to sell land. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of a confusing thing. Um, But uh, when you're in the business, like I was, you know, I sort of was geared up with the information I needed and I knew what to do. And I was giving them a big, and here you go. I'll give you cash if you give me the deed to your property and you can be done with it. And, you know, I I don't want to make you think that, you know, everybody's going to say yes to this kind of offer because many, many people will not. But it's all about finding that small segment of society where the people have the property and they just don't care about it. You know, their plans changed. Maybe they inherited the property. There's always these people out there and they're never going to put a for sale sign in the yard and they're never going to hire a realtor to work for them. Like if you don't go out and find them, it will never be found. And uh, I had learned how to do that and it worked really, really well. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So that was the first deal. That was back 2008, 2009 is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So fast forward here a decade. What does your business look like today?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, those first few years I worked pretty much exclusively in my home state because I thought I had to, um, and there are some benefits to doing that, but it's totally not a requirement in the land business because it's a pretty simple type of property and you can usually get the information you need without being on site to look at it, um, and uh, most of the deals that I was doing back then were the kinds that you bought for a few hundred dollars and then sold for a few thousand dollars. And those can totally work. And I think when you're getting started, those are great ones to work on because mm-hmm. any mistakes you made, they end up being very, very small mistakes, and they don't really burn you. Um, but after doing, at the time, I think it was 2011, I did I did a deal that made me about forty four thousand dollars, and in the whole process, it took me five months to find the deal, to sell the deal. And to this day, I've never seen the property. So like I never went, it was about four hours away. It was just too far. I didn't want to go and like visit it or anything. Mm -hmm. And after I made that kind of money from a deal without ever seeing it, I realized a couple of things. First of all, this big deal took about the same amount of work as a small deal did. So maybe I should start focusing on bigger deals. And also- Mm -hmm. You know, I really didn't need to be there on site. Which means, like, if I don't need to be there, why why don't I just do this like on the other side of the country to like pick the best state and start working there? So okay. that's kind of the way that I've I've morphed things. I've also changed up my direct mail approach uh, quite a bit. Um, but yeah, essentially now I'm my goal is to do like anywhere from six to twelve deals per year, but all having them all be like much larger deals. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say the bread and butter type of deal that I do makes about, you know, twenty dollars to $30,000. Sometimes it's a little bit less, sometimes it's more, but that's kind of like what I'm shooting for. So Mm -hmm. those are, you know, based on the size range and the values and the markets that I'm choosing. Those are the kinds of properties that I'm specifically targeting when I try to find motivated sellers. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's kind of thing where you have to do a lot of cherry picking. And I think with bigger properties like that, you have to search a little harder. Like you hear a lot more no's from people because most Mm -hmm. people You know, when you look at all motivated land sellers, like people who own a property that's like a quarter of an acre and it's worth a few thousand bucks, that's pretty easy to walk away from. But if you've got a property that's worth like $50,000, most people are gonna want a little bit more before they just let that kind of thing go. So um, there are definitely some challenges with, with going that approach, but ultimately, especially with just time constraints and different things I've got going on, that seems to be a pretty good strategy for the time being
0: right sounds like it um a lot of similarities between land and houses it sounds like you know you're still looking for people with problems you're looking for a small sector of the society i yeah. like how you said uh the houses that you buy they don't have signs in front of the yard so you have to go find them yeah right um mm-hmm. direct mail is how you're finding them right mm-hmm. yep. okay um that, that's there's a lot of conversation right now about direct mail and i don't know exactly when this episode is going to uh to air, but I don't imagine that it's going to change too soon. What people are talking about direct mail where people are really kind of complaining about uh, their responses and what it used to be. And, and they're going broke on, on their marketing campaigns and stuff like that. So you said you made some changes to your direct mail and how you approach it. Um, significantly, what are you doing to, to stand out in people's mailboxes? Yeah
1: yeah one thing that uh, and again, I've done direct mail campaigns for houses before, but it's mm-hmm. it's been few and far between. That's not where most of my experience is mm-hmm. um, and i you know I'm familiar with you know getting deals on houses for five hundred bucks, you know like that can totally happen, and I've experienced that um, in my experiences with other or my conversations with other like house wholesalers in different markets around the country though uh it seems that direct mail for houses, it takes a lot more mail to get the same number of accepted deals when you're comparing that with land. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because my theories are that, you know, with houses, there's a lot more competition. Most people are thinking along those lines. Like when you think of investing in real estate, most people think of a house, you know, or a multifamily property. They're not thinking about vacant land and dirt. Mm -hmm. Um, And vacant land has always been I used to say zero competition, but now I'd say low competition. I think there have been a couple of occasions I've, I've run into other competitors out there and it, it hasn't hurt me, but there are other people out there, more people doing it these days. But even though even then it's like, man, I wanna say like 5% the amount of competition that I think there is in houses. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take, uh, like I've, I've heard uh, some of the numbers run by other people in the land business and it's kind of like if it takes I don't know 250 um, mailers to get one acceptance in land, it's like five times that amount for houses, maybe even more. At least that's what that was what they experienced with their different split testing. So, kind of gives you an idea of like the difference in, in competition. And I right. think the downside with land that I've experienced like it may be a lot easier to find deals. Like that's almost never been a challenge for me, but getting them sold is where most people kind of hit a bottleneck. It's uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes properties sell like that. Other times it can take you three or six or nine or 12 months. And uh, that can be very frustrating, especially when you, Mm -hmm. when you see, you know, the demand for houses that can sell much, much faster and, you know, you can build a buyer's list and there's just tons of people on the list right away and they're all like interested and active and land is just a different animal. It doesn't quite work that way. And uh, mm-hmm. there's usually there's usually more control than you think you have. Like if you're willing to pick up the phone, call builders, call different people in the area, try to figure out where the buyers are. You can usually do a lot to move a property faster, but most people don't think about that. Mm-hmm. They just kind of feel like they're stuck with Craigslist and Zillow and that's all the control they have. No. So.
0: Got it. Um, yeah, there, there, there's pros and cons to every investment strategy. Uh, we have a mutual friend that was really trying to convince me that the, the land thing is the perfect strategy, but th- there, there's cons to it too, right? So you're yeah. saying it's it, it's not as as liquid as houses, and even houses aren't aren't that liquid. It depends on the market and the market conditions, I guess. But it's less liquid than houses. You you lose out on your uh, the tax benefits—you can't depreciate the land. Yeah, absolutely, um, difficult to um, capitalize on any sort of leverage that you get with houses, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but then again, it has a, it has its pros, and you don't have any tenants. You don't have the termites calling you. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's been a long time since I got a termite phone call. But <laughs> um, you, you don't have that, then uh, you know the, the deals. You, you can find them a little bit easier, a little less marketing expense. You get a little lower barrier to entry. Um so yeah, I think there's there's room for for everything inside of a of a diversified portfolio. Yeah. So you're doing six to twelve a year. What what is your time what does that look like time wise for you? Like how much time per
1: week I'm spending on that? Yeah, like how much
0: is this a full-time business for you to do six to twelve deals or is this no.
1: something just on the side? No, I mean, honestly it's pretty much always been a part-time thing for me. Um and that was part of uh part of why I started the blog back in the day was that um you know i didn't have 40 hours a week to dedicate to this i was working a job i mean i, I when i was getting started it was it's not easy i was torn between a lot of different things and that was one of the reasons the blog or i'm sorry the land business works so well for me is because i think in the beginning i was probably spending upwards of like 20 hours a week doing this on like nights and weekends and there was there were a lot of inefficiencies in things i was doing that was just you know consuming a lot more time than it needed to these days, I would say on the typical week, I'm spending maybe five hours a week on it. If it's if it's really really busy, maybe ten hours. Like if mm-hmm. there's tons of deals coming in and transactions happening, but that's that's about the extent of it. And honestly, even that, um, you know, <laughs> I I've always sort of struggled to find the best like CRM system that would really streamline things and automate the heck out of things. Like I I definitely, you know, for example, when I'm doing a direct mail campaign. Like I'm never licking stamps and doing all that stuff myself. Like there's certain things that you just sort of have to learn to do efficiently. Um, So I'm definitely doing that, but uh, you know, I think it's totally feasible to spend even less time per week if I was being Mm -hmm. smarter about how to spend my time. So, right. um, Yeah.
0: Got it. All right. So this is a part-time land business. You've got Mm -hmm. probably, I think that the nicest real estate investing blog, that I've ever seen. I mean, I think it's the nicest mm-hmm. one out there. It's just amazing how much detail you've put into it. What a as resource a resource it, it is. Um yeah, it's retipster.com.
1: Yep, retipster.com. You got it.
0: I always type in REI tipster in my thing when I'm looking yeah. for you.
1: I actually <laughs> uh, actually bought that domain and had it redirected to mine cuz you're not the only Oh, did person. you? There's a lot of people who that.
0: Got it. It. <laughs> got it. Okay, good. So retipster.com a fantastic resource. And you've got a new podcast as well, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm pretty new to the game. I don't have nearly the experience at this that you have. But, yeah, I just started uh, a few months ago, and it's been going good so far. It's been kind of a new thing that I have to learn to hone and do, sure. do better at. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. i got to have you on the show sometime. That'd be really cool. Yeah, no, I'd,
0: I'd love to. Uh, I'm curious because I, I teach – as far as a part of lead generation, I mean, there's so many different ways you can generate leads mm-hmm. and you know, once you've kind of got the, the, the foundation and the basics that are going to bring in an abundance of leads and bring those in consistently, you know, I start recommending things like a YouTube channel or things like a blog and, and even things like a podcast, like you, you don't have to be a podcast celebrity to, for a podcast to, you know, work wonders for you. And I'm just curious, what has, uh, your blog and now your podcast—like, what are you getting from that? Is, are, is it just personal enjoyment, and personal fulfillment, or is it generating any business for
1: you? Yeah, yeah, it's um, good question. I'm trying to think of—I mean, for sure, a huge part of it is enjoyment. Like, if if I didn't really, really love doing it, there's no way I would have survived this long um, as a you know, I don't know what your experience was like when you started getting into the education space, but for me, it was like probably at least 18 months of just like nobody caring about anything I was saying. It was like I was just hitting publish and nobody was reading it. <laughs> and that's, uh-huh. uh, that's a hard thing to do month after month after month. But because I really, really liked it and I really enjoyed the few comments I was getting, it was a lot of fun for me and I, I kept doing it. Um, and part of it was also like, there were a lot of unanswered questions that I had when I was starting in the business and things that just, nobody was going to hold my hand or teach me how to do it. I just had to like struggle through it and figure it out and bump mm-hmm. into the walls along the way. And, you know, I, I knew how hard that was for me and I wanted to like connect dots for other people. So that was really, you know, part of the idea behind that was just making it as easy as I could for other people who were in my situation. Um, yeah, but there are definitely ways that I monetize the site. I, you know, I, I run ads on it. I've got a YouTube channel that, um, you know, I, I, for the most part, I use it because video is a really good way to show people how to do things and explain things to them. Um, I prefer to watch videos over reading blog posts. So, you know, for the people like me out there, I try, I want to serve them too. Um, yeah, occasionally I'll like, you know, promote other things that I've tried out, like services that I think are helpful, um, so I do that kind of thing, uh, in terms of like using it specifically for the land business, a lot of the people that reach out to me because of that, like want my help. Like they want me to like hold their hand and show them how to do, And you know, I, I did a lot of that for a while. I still do occasionally, but, um, honestly, like I, I just don't have a ton of time for it anymore. And I, mm-hmm. the one-on-one coaching, you know, I, I've enjoyed my time doing it, but it's I don't think it's where my time is best spent, honestly. So I, I haven't, I haven't really thrown myself into that a lot. Um, uh, but uh, I've I thought about doing some like group coaching calls or something like that, but mm-hmm. haven't gotten into that yet. So, does that so answer far. your question? Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, the now that well, now you just changed my question. <laughs> I was going to ask <laughs> you, you know, now that you, you've you've do, have the blog, you have the podcast. You know, what that tends to do is when you start getting into an educational space or any new space or niche, um, it fires off your reticular activator and you start noticing everybody else that's like you or similar to you or is doing the same thing, trying to do the same thing. You know, you go and you, you buy a new car that you thought you were the first one on the block to get, and then you get it home and you notice three more in the driveways on the way home. That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, is there one piece now that you're kind of in that space is there one piece of bad advice you hear from ed- educators that just really kind of gets under your skin? Yeah, man, there's all, <laughs> you don't have to name any names. Just, just like <laughs> what's that bad advice. I think there's a lot of bad advice out there and there's bad mm-hmm. advice doled out by people with pretty large platforms. And I don't know, it, it irks me. It's, it's a little pet peeve of mine. Yeah, man, I totally
1: get that. It's, I think there's kind of like two different uh, types of, at least, at least two different types. Maybe there's more, but just off the top of my head. One is um, specifically as, as it relates to land investing. A lot of times I'll hear this in like forums where somebody, somebody will say, hey guys, I want to get into land investing. Like what suggestions do you have? And the people that respond are like, you know, land investing is stupid. It, it doesn't make sense because of this and because of that. And what's going on there is like, the people who are giving that kind of negative feedback, like they have no idea what business model they're even talking about. Like Mm -hmm. land is stupid. If you're going to pay full price for it and lose money on it. Yeah. (laughs) But if you know (laughs) how to find good deals and do it, direct mail, it's actually pretty brilliant. And so just Mm -hmm. given like this half baked advice from people who don't really even understand what they're addressing is really, really frustrating. Um, The other part is uh, you know, there, there's other people who, do direct mail, uh, you know, other people in my space that, um, you know, they, they have alternative ways of doing things and I totally respect that. I think that's cool. I think it can work for them. Um, and they, but they kind of like present it in such a way that's like, this is the only way like you are stupid if you do anything other than what I'm saying, <laughs> like right. for lack of better words, that's basically what they're saying. Um, and I've always been, I don't know. I've, I'm, I try to be, to the extent that I can, I try to be humble with what I say in terms of like, this is what I have done and this is what mm-hmm. has worked for me and this is why I think it's worked. But, you know, there are other ways to do this too and that's okay. But mm-hmm. this is the way that I do it. So, like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to get in your face and like tell you you're a moron if you don't, you know, believe everything that I do. I'm basically, I am I try to be like a giant case study, just being mm-hmm. as transparent as, as I can about what has worked and what has failed. And uh, when I do fail, like, I don't want to hide that. Like, I, I don't want to just say that, like, I have all the answers and, you know, I'm the ultimate authority on everything. Like, mm-hmm. I'm totally human. I make mistakes. I continue to make them today. And here's what they are, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right,
0: right. Yeah, it's, it's funny how you just answered both of those questions. This is, this is why I indirectly and, you know, virtually have connected with you is because I'm, I come from very much the same school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really amazing on how convicted people can be, or how strong with their opinions they can be, with something they lo- know so little about. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Yeah. I've got this. Uh, I've got a couple videos on my YouTube channel that just it brings out just the worst of the worst from the YouTubers, <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about the 401k and how, and it's just, it's just funny. Like I can tell by the way that they. First, first two things I can tell is the way that they respond is first thing is that they didn't even watch the whole video because what Mm -hmm. they're saying, what they're (laughs) commenting on, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't even say that in that video. And and the second thing is, you know, it's the only way. And they're so closed off to any sort of alternative because Mm -hmm. they're so emotional about it, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, very much I've, I've talked about a lot of my failures on my show and. And I think there's a learning experience. It's, it's an opportunity to really share with people. This is what you watch out for. And don't make this mistake because I already made it for you. <laughs> and it was very expensive and you probably don't want to pay that ticket. Yep. Um, so, yeah, definitely. That's, uh, I think that's why uh, I'm like, this is one of the good guys. I, this is our first time meeting. I was like, I like this guy. Yeah. So yeah. let's finish on an up note now. Sure. <laughs> let's not talk about pet peeves and negativity. Um, <laughs> what's, the, what's the best book you read in the last 12 months and how did it impact you?
1: Oh, man, that's a great question. I wasn't pre- prepared for that. I, I have, uh, I'm going to open up my Audible app here. I've got a bunch of books that I've been reading. One that I really enjoyed, this might have been a little over a year ago, but it was called Pitch Anything. Have you read mm, that book? Yeah, definitely. Hey. That guy's name's Seth, I think, right? The author? Um, <sighs> I don't know. Oh, I feel I like I would remember name. that if it was for some reason. Yeah. Name Orin Oren Clough. Oren. Yeah. R Seth, pretty close. <laughs> Four little words. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. I thought it, uh, honestly, I, I don't think I've ever been like a master at sales. Like to this day, I don't think I really mm-hmm. am. There's a lot of, I don't know. Like if I'm supposed to like sell somebody on something, I do horrible at it. I just don't know what I'm doing. And that's part mm-hmm. of why like on my blog, like I, I generally don't, like I'm never telling you to buy something. The way I approach it is like, this is what i use this is how it works this is the good and bad of it there you go if that sounds interesting to you there it is so like I, I, I just don't i'm not good at that but i thought that book did a really really good job of helping me sort of like understand how to frame things and psychologically what's going on in a person's mind when they object and how to get past that and it's pretty brilliant mm-hmm. advice in that book
0: it's a great book good one mm-hmm. i have there's one of my favorites i've never had that answer though I mean, no one has ever, I haven't, see there again, kindred yeah. spirits. Um, <laughs> so what's in the future right now for you, Seth, that's got you really excited.
1: Yeah, man, a lot of stuff, I guess. Um, excited to see where the podcast is going to go. Again, that's a pretty new thing. Still kind of getting my bearings and figuring out how to do it well. What's uh, the name of the podcast? Uh, it's a pretty original name. It's the R E Tipster podcast. So.
0: <laughs> Fantastic!
1: Yeah, actually,
0: hours thinking about that one.
1: <laughs> I actually, I don't know that that's the best name because most people are going to be searching for like real estate investing, and that's why they find you know your show because it's awesome mm-hmm. and you know it's been around for a long time. But they're probably not going to find that when they search for our you know R E Tipster. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, you have uh, to anyway. think about the keywords on on iTunes.
1: Yeah. Uh, the blog also, I've, I've, uh, I've actually got a team right now working on kind of redesigning it and trying to make it look better. And so that's a lot of fun. Uh, the land business, uh, it's actually been a long time since I've worked in my home state. It's been several years, but I'm diving back into that pretty close to where I live. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually really, really interested to see how this goes. And because last time I was working in my home state, it was like 2011, 2012 real estate market was completely different than what it is now. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just interested to see like what the difference of values and the difference in motivation and demand for real estate, how that's going to change things up where I'm from. Mm -hmm. So yeah, these are some of the things I've got going on.
0: Perfect. I I can just, I just know how humans are wired and anyone that is a fan of my show, I think will become a fan of you as well. Um, What, if they wanted to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I've got a uh, contact page on the blog at com. I think it's currently in the top navigation bar. Um, when I redesign the set, it'll be at the bottom, so you might have to look around for it. But <laughs> but yeah, I'm also on you know Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all that. People can feel free to reach out, and I rarely say no when people send me <laughs> friend requests. So. All right.
0: Sweet. Well, it's been a pleasure, Seth. Um, let's do this again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: the best of luck to you. And it was a pleasure meeting you.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it.
0: You bet. You bet. righty. So thanks for tuning in to Epic Real Estate Investing today. God bless to your success. I'm Matt Terrio, And I'll see you next week on another episode of Thought Leader Thursday. Take care.